Hello, this is Scott McNamara with What's New in Adaptive Physical Education. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you all had a wonderful holiday break and are getting back into the mix of working and teaching and doing all those fun things. I hope you feel uh, invigorated to be doing those things and not not bogged down by some bad weather. I'm in Iowa right now, and today we had a really, really bad storm. I believe it's uh, the winter storm Harper that came through. I almost didn't even make it into the office today because the roads were so bad, but I had to get to the podcast. It's been a while, and I'm really excited to be sharing the episode with you all today. Today, I had an uh, interview with Lisa Hilborn and Beth Curry from the Lakeshore Foundation. And the Lakeshore Foundation is a foundation, a facility, an organization that does all types of great things. Uh, they do advocacy work, they do research, they uh, do they put on um, recreation and fitness uh, activities for people with disabilities from all across the world. They're stationed uh, in Birmingham, Alabama though, and uh, they just do tremendous things. They have to be one of the largest organizations in the world that do what they do. They work with the Olympics and Paralympics, and we're kind of going to discuss who they are and you know how you can access their resources and use them. Um, and with that, we'll get started right away. Can you first just like tell me, you know, who you are, where you work, why you got into it? So I'm Lisa Hillborn, and um, you know, going way back, I think probably the most important thing to me all the way through my childhood was movement. I think my first word was ball. And I went to college uh, originally at Cal State San Bernardino to play ball, basketball, softball, soccer. And I had a really influential professor who told me and Dr. Terry Rizzo, he said, you know, you'd be amazing. And couldn't wrap my mind around it. And he'd heckle me at my games. And finally, I took his class and I was hooked. Ended up getting a teaching grad assistant at uh, assistantship at Cal State Long Beach. Uh, earned my master's in therapeutic kinesis. And part of that grad internship was to develop a sports program at uh, Rancho Los Amigos Medical Center. Really an exciting opportunity. Started out with one athlete. And about 23 years later, had about 50 athletes through an externally funded grant through USC and a group of ladies known as Las Floristas. Um, and all the while at Rancho, competed against an organization known as Lakeshore and looked in and thought, wow, if there was ever a reason that I was not going to be in California, it would be moving to Alabama for the Lakeshore Foundation. And have done that. Couldn't be more excited about my position here at Lakeshore. I'm the director of recreation and athletics, and I'll tell you, there is uh, an amazing thing taking place here at the Lakeshore Foundation, and we're really excited to tell you about it. So I have a very different story, Scott. Yeah. Um, I finished physical therapy school in 1984 and um, worked at a place called Lakeshore Hospital, which back in those days, it really was the recreation department of that rehabilitation hospital, which ultimately grew to be uh, what is today Lakeshore Foundation. So as a young physical therapist, I had the opportunity, really didn't become um, enmeshed in it because I was trying to start my young career as a physical therapist, but had the opportunity to um, 
do some volunteer work with our recreation and sports department. Those were, you know, some early days of Lakeshore Hospital's recreation department included um, wheelchair basketball and adapted swimming were really the two primary things that were happening at that point. But really followed my own career as a physical therapist for about 25 years. Some things happened in history of that hospital and um, really our board of directors leasing the medical component of our uh, hospital to a healthcare organization and really took off with the independent mission of Lakeshore Foundation. And, you know, just with tremendous growth of, of Lakeshore Foundation. So 25 years later, I had an opportunity to, to join the foundation and really uh, had, you know, it's kind of a corny story in a way, but really at a, at a point in my life at which um, sort of a philosophical sense of not everything turns out to be exactly how you imagined it was going to be, but our call in life is to do the best and be the healthiest and, and apply ourselves with what we, who we are and what we have. And that sounds kind of corny, but it really fit personally for me in terms of shifting out of typical healthcare provision into community health and wellness. And so my job is I'm the chief program officer of this incredible organization. So I moved really from rehab management to um, community health, wellness, adaptive support and recreation management. Um, and uh, today we operate uh, with vibrant programs and then also have been doing tremendous growth in other areas over the past uh, three, three to five years. I appreciate y'all telling me a little bit about yourself and your background and getting the Lakeshore Foundation. So now, uh, can you tell me a little bit about Lakeshore Foundation? I am somewhat aware of the Lakeshore Foundation. I have worked with uh, Dr. Jim Rimmer before at their organization, the uh, NICPAD. I know you guys are, are working together. Can you tell me a little bit about your organization and how you work with NICPAD? Yeah, I'm going to go back and do a, this is Beth speaking, I'm going to go back and do a little bit of history um, before getting to the current day, and I referenced it in my introduction, but as I said, back in the, back in the 70s and 80s, really, the, the earliest days of what, what has become Lakeshore Foundation was the recreation department of a rehabilitation hospital. Um, and it was really back when there were longer lengths of stay in rehabilitation. Um, uh, there was an awareness of sort of a cyclical uh, admission rate, particularly for young men who at that time had sustained spinal cord injuries um, and would be, you know, really find a sense of um, strength and purpose and well-being while they were hospitalized and in a community that was behind them saying, yes, you can, yes, you can, yes, you can. Um, really, at that time in our society, only to be discharged into a community that kind of didn't know what to do with them, sort of. And um, that was really the spirit behind the advent of the first um, adaptive sports program. Um, and really, the foundation, its earliest days were that recreation department. Um, found some formalization through various time periods, but a, a monumental time was in 1995, the board of directors of Lakeshore Hospital said, we're going to take our uh, 
focus and emphasis and have it be on this community health, wellness, adaptive sport and recreation and lease the operations of the hospital to a, a medical provider. And for many, for a number of years, they continued to operate out of um, a smaller gym and pool area that was adjacent to the hospital. But really in the early 2000s, um, took that momentum and built a building, which is, you know, sometimes when people say, what is Lakeshore Foundation, they refer to the building. Uh, nice, certainly at the, we would, we would still say it is, but at the time it was built, it was absolutely sort of the state of the art um, prime place with, you know, three adapted, I mean, three indoor courts that were really built with wheelchair basketball, wheelchair rugby, goalball, other adapted sports in mind, an indoor track, two indoor pools, fitness center that uh, made sure that it was equipped with the most uh, accessible equipment, those sorts of things. Um, today, we operate that building um, in a membership basis sort of place for the local and semi-local citizens of Birmingham and throughout Alabama. Um, we also uh, are an Olympic and Paralympic training site. We, uh, through that, we host training opportunities for adapted sports at various levels in their progression. We host a number of very well-run, high-profile sport tournaments in the mid-2000s really said we've been doing adapted sport and recreation for people with disabilities for a long, long time, and we wanted to do a very focused effort in that for our country's injured military. So we have a injured military program that lives under a header called Lima Foxtrot. Um, it both serves local Alabamians and then also runs camps throughout the year that um, allows people in the region and nation to attend and hopefully get a, a dose of health and wellness that motivates them to go back home and live. It sounds like you all do quite a bit of things. What does your staff look like? How, how big is that? Oh, goodness. I'm sorry. I can't give you firm numbers. But in the last five years, we have also, you asked specifically about our work with uh, Dr. Rimmer and Nick Pad. We formed a, a research collaborative with the University of Alabama in Birmingham. So in the last five years, we have really grown in the area of research and policy and advocacy work. I think at this point in time, we have upwards of 150 employees in the organization, probably in the direct program area that I was Goodness, I would 30 or 40 employees. I'm pulling that out of the air a little bit. Wow, that's that's like a, an incredible number. I honestly I didn't know it. That must make you one of, if not the largest organization of your kind in, in the nation. One of them, right? I would expect so. Yes, kind of by a long shot. Wow, I didn't know that that way that you had that many people putting all of this together. That's really really impressive. So let, okay, I want to talk about the advocacy and policy and research that you're doing in a little bit, but. I want to talk a little bit more about the activities you provide. Um, can, can you give me some examples? I know you kind of talked about all the different populations, but what are some examples of the opportunities that you provide? 
So I'm going to talk a little bit and then I'm going to pass it to Lisa. Um, we, I said that we are, have a, a membership model. Um, and so if you were someone who lives in Alabama and quote, joined Lakeshore Foundation, there are many things you would have an opportunity to participate in. But um, when I referred to this building, there is a, um, a pretty large fitness center and the two indoor pools and then a very large field house that has, well, I'm gonna let Lisa talk about that in a moment. Um, and so, you know, we're open um, just like a fitness center is from 5.30 in the morning until 8, 8.30 at night. Um, and so the opportunity to come and get some instruction in um, ideal ways to exercise um, and then to follow that with routine, a routine life of exercise um, is a huge component of who we are. We serve people from as young as six months to we have a member who just celebrated her 100th birthday um, and she did it by bringing her friends here, which was lovely. Um, so that is the more um, just sort of the day in, day out, people coming to do things in fitness and aquatics and I'm going to let Lisa talk a bit about uh, recreation and then athletics. And part of the beauty of Lakeshore is there's this incredible continuum of movement. You start out um, recreation in many cases as the entry point for people. And in recreation, you can do anything from bocce to cycling within our gym to um, literally going hunting uh, if you have an interest in that. All movement-related activities. And like Beth said, as young as six months for coming in and getting, learning how to be active. How, what does activity look like for you? And on our youth basketball team, our prep team, we have a seven-year-old who is just fired up about all that he could do and how could he become a Paralympian? Because one of the beautiful things you see at Lakeshore is we're the home of USA Wheelchair Rugby. So rugby trains here regularly. And so that six-year-old who lives in Alabama has the opportunity to come to practice on their club team and look across the floor and see a Paralympian. And so that blend of recreation and all the way along the continuum of athletics with the opportunity to know what the end game is, if that's your goal. Now, within our club program, we advocate so very strongly to uh, our athletes going to school, integrating into community, doing every single thing that anybody without a disability would do. Um, that takes place just naturally with our advocacy and policy crowd here. Um, within recreation and athletics, we have 10 staff. And the exciting part about that is we have people from all over the nation, literally, it's kind of a melting pot, if you will, <laughs> of, of sharing ideas. And people come in with expertise in uh, goal ball, visual impairment, and we learn from them. And so everybody has this opportunity once a week to share knowledge, and we become so very uh, varied, broad. And the scope of what we learn from each other, we share with our participants, who we call members, um, or our athletes. And it just, it becomes, um, you know, one of the things we look at are our three pillars, and that being activity, research, and advocacy. And it's, it's kind of fun because I came to Lakeshore just 
prior to the research collaborative joining Lakeshore, becoming a part, Dr. Remmer coming. And so I saw Lakeshore before then. We were incredible. We had programs, beautiful activity, wonderful things happening. But then we said, you know, we need to be able to really look at this and analyze why we do what we do and justify it to the CDC and any other thing for grants. And then that wasn't enough. We said, it's really important to be able to share this information. And so our advocacy um, shares and, if you will, advocates for all. Um, we stop with the word people. Most of the time, we just say people, not people with disabilities. <laughs> it doesn't define us. Um, and we feel that way very strongly. And a lot of the times, we're going through an interview process right now, and we'll listen to people talk, and the, the energy they have and desire to bring to Lakeshore uh, just rekindled the fire that we had, so to speak. Um, we know we are blessed with an amazing facility. We have equipment. We have a building. We have an amazing board of directors and senior management staff. What we also have are people who are becoming literal experts in the world of working with people in every span of life, whether your disability is congenital, acquired, or degenerative. Um, we look at people as people and meet them where they are. And the primary goal when somebody rolls, walks, however they come in that door is what level of independence can we get you to? Be patient with yourself. Be patient with us because we're going to figure it out. I was a little ignorant of your uh, organization. I'm kind of like blown away with it right now. So I really appreciate you explaining a little bit more to me. I, I guess like I'm just sitting here and I'm just thinking like, wow, you have a facility and resources that are, that are so unique. A lot of the people that listen to this are people that are from, you know, throughout the, the nation. I wonder, is there, you know, I know you said that it's mostly for people in Birmingham or the Birmingham area. Um, how do you reach out to people, um, you know, outside of that, that area? So I think that just because it's the right thing to do, we've always had a, uh, a responsiveness and a heart and a, if somebody calls us and says, hey, I'm trying to figure out how to do this, or do you know if there's a, um, an opportunity anywhere in my state for um, me to do something similar to what happens at Lakeshore? So we've, we, I think we've always we've been, we've been at the table long enough that I think many of our staff members can tell lots of stories about helping um, a smaller organization get a focus and get, get off the ground. Um, fortunately for the the industry, many many wonderful things have happened in the last what, 10, 10, 15 years where um, there's sort of better opportunities popping up across the country. However, very specifically through the um, the research collaborative, I think one of the things that that Dr. Rimmer really has as a passion is how do we get how do we get the word out? And we, we don't know whether this will be effective or not, but um, our, I think if you were talking to us three years from now, you would hear us telling stories about what we hope are going to be success stories using, I'm just blanking on word, telehealth. <laughs> Sorry, I was saying telecommunications. I was thinking, well, that's not quite the right word. Telehealth taking opportunities that are 
being done live on the ground in person here at Lakeshore and pushing them out through NICPAD. I think they're, um, we are really at the precipice of trying to figure out how to best answer that question that you asked. Absolutely. That's great, though, because that's, you know, in my podcast, it's a lot of times the thing that ends up happening is we have a great organization or a great, um, yeah, you know, university doing something really extraordinary, but then, you know, I'm in rural uh, Iowa right now, and APE is, uh, or, you know, anything with that stuff is, is very hard to come by. So it's how do we, you know, you, how do we replicate some of those things is sometimes become a really big thing. Now, sometimes in my podcast, we get a little bit philosophical and I, I really enjoy doing that. So I am going to go back to another question and then we'll go back to a little bit more about what Lakeshore does. But I, something that you said about the last 10 years, there's been kind, kind of a, you know, a, a jolt in the community about physical activity for people with disabilities why do you think that is? Is from somebody in your your seats uh, a very unique seat? Why do you think that that's occurring? I think part of it is the realization that diversity and difference can be looked at in a positive way. And I think the exposure of the Paralympics. Um, you look at what happened in London. <laughs> the Paralympians were all over the place. They were exposed the community in general and looked at as athletes instead of the sideshow that took place after the Olympics, they were respected as athletes. And something similar took place in Rio. And honestly, when you start even analyzing attitude and difference, so much of what takes place, and I know we're in this microcosm at Lakeshore, so it's over about all day. And so we, we kind of laugh at each other and go, wow, we're so far down that road, we don't know what reality is. But I think a lot of the time when you even look at the development of wheelchairs, there used to be such a stigma around a wheelchair. I remember talking to a parent of a young amputee who would say, you're not putting my kid in that chair for anything. And now we push through an airport with our athletes and they see that these kids see these chairs and go, oh my gosh, I want one of those. We did an exhibition the other day at a grade school where the kid came running up and said, I can't wait to be an amputee. How do I do that? <laughs> and while that wasn't exactly the desired response, he got the point. And so I think it is about changing attitude, and I think it is about embracing diversity. And I think as a nation, we're doing somewhat better with that. So philosophical answers. Yeah, so I'm going to tag off of Lisa because I wanted to say that I think as a society, we are becoming better at, at um, recognizing that all people have rights. But, but sometimes I think it's a, you know, it's a one step forward, two steps back. And so I was hesitant in my, you know, was I speaking about my hopes or reality? But I do think that there is there are conversations and awarenesses that are improving in in just sort of other alternative ways to look at the same story and see it in a different light. Um, so I think that is is part of it. I'm not saying that Lakeshore should take any credit, but I, I will say that we've had the joy over the years of people visiting here and saying, how can I do something like that in my region or in my community? And and I, I think it is a, 
there's a real passionate helpfulness within the industry that says, yes, you too can. And, you know, whether that's tiny, I had a recent rural hospital CEO and PT director uh, come and say, would you mind if we walked around your building and sort of thought about how we could have better wellness for the people who come through our hospital in, within our community? And it's a tiny rural community in Alabama. But they were able to say, I want to figure out how to mimic some little thread of this within my little tiny town. Um, all the way to, you know, before um, Turnstone built its new facility in Indiana or before Ability360 built their facility in Arizona. They were all here um, sort of touring with their board members or architects or sort of saying how can we, how can we be better as a whole uh, within the country. And so I don't, that doesn't really speak to philosophically what you meant, with, but except for within the we want to see each other succeed. Absolutely. No, I, I think that's, the, I just like going into the, some of those rabbit holes sometimes in a conversation, but I think, yeah, no, I think those are, are great points as well as, you know, it's, it's tremendous that you all are able to be an example to the entire uh, nation and probably world in how to correctly develop those things. Um, I, I want to focus a little bit more on the activities that you provide. So let's talk a little bit about the Olympics and Paralympics that you mentioned before we get into the research and advocacy a little bit more, but um, what like, so kind of tell me the background on working with the Olympics and Paralympics and what exactly you're doing uh, for those, uh, you know, organizations. Yeah, so the background really probably goes back to the Atlanta Games. Our, our president CEO was very involved with, with those games. I think through that forged I wasn't employed here at the time, but I've sort of heard the story, um, you know, really uh, grabbed some of the energy um, that was left in the Southeast for adaptive sports um, and tried to, to um, harness that and work with the USOC. Um, so I think because we cared and had some resources to be helpful, I think some of the early development of U.S. Paralympics, uh, we had people involved. Um, um, and it's just to always try to be good partners with the USOC and U.S. Paralympics. Um, the nature of that has, has um, changed a bit through the years. Fortunately, just as we talked a minute ago about the, the growth and the, and the acceptance and the fire, um, that, has, that has happened across our nation. So, you know, there, there were stories where this might have been the only place that a person could come and train and really feel like this was their space. And fortunately, there are training sites that have popped up across the country. And, and I will say the training center at the USOC has really said we should we shouldn't relegate this out there to y'all we should really embrace it internally and so now when you visit Colorado Springs and go to the training center you will see um, resident athletes who are Paralympians that wouldn't have been true 15 years ago 
What specific types of athletes are coming to you, or is it is it really just a huge range of them? It has been a huge range. Currently, our our largest population we we manage the USA Wheelchair Rugby Program, and so we absolutely prioritize and um, and focus a lot of our training site and competitive opportunities that we provide for wheelchair rugby. But additionally, Lisa spoke of wheelchair basketball earlier. We have a developmental paratri group coming in next month. We have done less Olympic activity over the last five years as they have found more and more homes. But um, often the, some of the lesser sports that couldn't find a place to train uh, might have selected to come to Birmingham. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but just, you know, if USA Swimming would never come here. But <laughs> early on when uh, Rugby Sevens was um, trying to get on the Olympic program, we had some of their developmental camps and um, so, various things. So they're, they're coming and using your facilities, and you're like kind of – accommodating um is that what's going on or are you giving them also coaching and such on on site they're usually bringing coaches okay. with them yeah we might support their endeavors with filming or athletic training or um but mostly it's um facilities and healthy eating and a, and a good respectful prioritized training area if I had a student or I was a person with a disability and I wanted to compete or try to compete at a Paralympic level, um, could I come to you and what questions would I want to ask you? Yes. Matter of fact, I was on the phone yesterday with a young man who's at a local college here who is a swimmer. So what we're doing with him is helping him navigate the, the, the landscape at the at the USOC, helping him get connected and con get connected with the right people to understand classification, um, whether or not he would class in at all, um, uh, and just sort of helping him help, helping him learn. He he has tried to to um, be successful in uh, Division three swimming at his college, and um, various reasons that hasn't worked out well for him. Uh, he would say his, his need to do things differently, the coach doesn't understand, <laughs> both from the standpoint of saying, yes, you can use our facilities. Um, we have a little bit of access to some expertise in, in swimming to be able to uh, give him some, some guidance from a coaching standpoint, uh, but a lot of it is helping him make the connections and navigate the USOC process. Absolutely. That's, that's great. Um, I mean, that's, th those are really, really helpful. So that's um, good to know that, that, you know, I, I've heard of some APE teachers and such also kind of like, hey, I have a student that's really active. What do I actually do to, you know, see if we can push them to certain levels? So that's great to know that you all are a resource a little bit. And I'm sure you have resources online a little bit too to guide people. Um, yeah. The other, the other piece I would say is, you know, if you were that APE teacher and you had that student and they, as they were getting, let's say it was an area where we didn't have um, uh, high level coaching among our staff, 
Um, if we facilitated connection to them, we would welcome them here. Um, we also would, um, we've had a number of instances where athletes had a training program that they needed uh, some guidance in adhering to. And so they may have their consultative time with their coach or their trainer that they then carry out their program here with some support from our staff. I want to go now to a little bit, we, you talked a little bit about policy and advocacy that you've been getting more involved. You mentioned having a student who's, you know, trying to participate in swimming at a college level. So I'm going to ask you about a specific policy and I'm going to first see if you're involved in it and then maybe we could talk more about it. Um, are you familiar with the Dear Colleague letter uh, with reference to people with disabilities being able to participate in extracurricular activities? Yes. And I wonder if you're still, if you're working with that policy at all. Yes, and I, I will say that our official uh, policy and advocacy work does not fall under um, me or Lisa. Yeah. We all have a commitment to it, but there are activities occurring and very more focused um some, some focused work that, that I would I would be stumbling a little bit if I tried to articulate exactly how it's playing out. But what I'm gonna say from mine and Lisa's perspective is that um, encouraging people to be their own advocate and um, us being a helpful resource to present teachers and um, counselors and, and teachers is, is sort of what our arm of the organization does, uh, particularly with the, the students and kids that we already have a relationship with. There's some more pointed advocacy and policy kind of things coming out of that arm of the organization that I can't speak as articulately about. Absolutely. That's that's totally okay. I just find it to be an interesting thing, and I would love to know uh, a little bit more information. So maybe I can check out, uh, or you can send me a resource or two that I could put on. We do an accompanying blog as well on uh, the podcast with, with some resources that people can check out after they listen to the podcast. So uh, maybe that's something, because I just think that's a very interesting piece. Well, let's go, let's just keep talking a little bit then about, you mentioned that in recent years, you've been getting more active with research and advocacy. Can you talk a little bit about those two subjects? So one of the coolest parts of Lakeshore um, is when research does blend with athletics. Um, and one of the, the biggest things we do here, like we talked about, uh, we're the home of USA Rugby. And so when you look at that, that uh, starting line and the second line uh, in Rio of our athletes, Part of the decision for those lines at that Paralympic game was through research. Uh, our researchers looked at blood gas levels to decide how to most appropriately sub in the most ideal scenarios. And that level of analysis has not traditionally taken place for the Paralympians. And it's one of the most exciting things to be able to go, okay, there's, there's a reason and it's physiological behind what we're what we're at least attempting to do um and 
you know, that becomes advocacy in itself. I mean, being able to say, hey, these are the reasons we're doing this. And by the way, did you know that the word Paralympic actually means parallel? It isn't that everybody who participates in the Paralympics is a para, because that is, that is quite a misnomer. Many people believe that. And so it is the steps into each world, the world of research, the world of advocacy, the world of athletics that we touch and we know we're just barely scratching the surface, but by touching those worlds, we become advocates in each and the crossover therein is thrilling because you can get people who have no interest in sport pulled in through research, vice versa, and you make everything stronger by, if you will, dabbling within an arena. Absolutely. I, I actually didn't know that either, that Paralympic meant parallel. That's a, a great piece of information that I just didn't even think about. Many don't. Yeah, and, and no. That's probably little tidbits like that are so fun to go into a classroom and go, so, you know, and just light them on fire. Literally, one of the children of one of our staff members, he's barely able to talk, and he goes, I want to watch wheelchair basketball, not stand-up basketball. <laughs> and he can, he can barely put a sentence together. And that is where he's coming from. And we know that is so far down the road, but what we hope is an integration of sport and movement. And we promote that. I mean, we've got an event coming up in May known as Four Nations. We will have USA Wheelchair Rugby, Great Britain, Japan, and who's the other one? Australia. So four of the world's best wheelchair rugby teams here. And we are going to promote the living heck out of that event and look to get more people within our walls to watch that for the sake of sport. Um, one of the, probably the saddest thing at Lakeshore is when we host an event, and we host many, we host the Pioneer Classic, which is a hallmark wheelchair basketball tournament, the longest running, one of the most prestigious basketball tournaments, Demolition Derby, which is a very well-respected rugby tournament, but when we host those events, we so rarely have people who come to watch for the sake of sport. We have people who come because they're parents, because they're friends, but very few people off the street. And so with this Four Nations, um, we're working with a broadcasting company to televise that event and really make every effort to put it on a national platform outside of the Paralympic Games to really try to to get people into sport um, and and to see it for what it is. These athletes train, compete, work with sport psychologists and exercise physiologists and commit their lives to excellence just like any Olympian. And that takes place at Lakeshore and various other training sites around the nation. But um, like Josh said, it's, it's being more integrated into the fabric of what takes place by virtue of a greater number of training sites. Yeah, that, wow. That's, um, I loved everything you just said. <laughs> I love, I love the idea of trying to do PR for our, our field, because really that's something I think that our field in general lacks a lot is we don't have great media sources and videos to really exemplify what we do and why it's so great. So I think that's awesome that you're trying to do that. Um, I had Dr. Uh, Ron Davis on here about two years ago now, um, and I don't know if you know Dr. Ron Davis, but he's, you know, 
big on disability sport and PE and such. And uh, one of his I big be in the field not knowing him. He's a <laughs> man. He's wonderful. <laughs> so it, one of his big things was like that sport is universal. Sport is you know sport is sport. Sport for sport's sake. And um, that's something that really stuck with me as well is just kind of, um, you know, I think that we put a hierarchy on sport a lot of times and it's not necessary. Uh, you know, everybody in America usually thinks about football, baseball, and basketball, and then there's everything else. Um, and But really, you know, sport is about the enjoyment of sport and the competition of sport. And uh, I think it's important that we don't see, especially when we're in, in a field of physical activity, exercise, physiology, all those things that we don't, um, you know, put put those hierarchies in sport and say one's better than the other. So that's really great that you're doing that. And that's just for all sport, period. Because that's you the, know, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, no, you. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift gears back a minute and I, I don't want to distract from what you're saying because yeah. we believe in that so strongly. So I, I, I apologize. I, I, I was thinking as as Lisa was talking about um, various ways, um, so I guess I would I would talk about sort of soft advocacy. Um, but we, we have made a, um, a major effort over the last several years to um, to to educate um, and integrate. Uh, frontline young healthcare professionals into Lakeshore, um, and you know, so what that, you know, I early on when I came here, I, I described that I'm a physical therapist, and so we would have physical therapy schools say, hey, could we send somebody there to do an internship? And it's like, no, that's not really what I do here. Um, they wouldn't meet their goals and objectives of their affiliation, and. And, but as time progressed, sort of the, the realization that um, and it sort of all happened when the exercises medicine um, initiatives were happening in the world of, you know, we should, we should get young healthcare professionals very aware of and confident in the value that um, a lifelong life of wellness and activity can bring to their, you know, where that should stand for their patients. And so we now have regular um, uh, association with the local physical therapy schools, the local occupational therapy schools. Um, we have uh, a, a good connection with the PM&R residency program at the, the local university that has a, has a, a PM&R residency. We had a, a young physiatrist on our junior board about a half dozen years ago, and he came over, quote, to help our athletic trainer at a tournament. And, and somebody caught him sort of with his mouth open, aghast, and, and it was like, what's wrong? You okay? And he said, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I've, I've been treating people with spinal cord injury for how many years, but I've never really seen them living a full life you know when when a guy popped you know fell out of his chair and hopped right back up in it you know he, he was sort of like oh you mean that's possible <laughs> and so so you know our hope and it, it really does tie back to the whole idea of APE 
And I think as a physical therapist, if we've got PT students in here right now helping with our after-school program in the pool, and that, you know, one of those PTs a half dozen years from now is going to be in a school system somewhere and is going to have a kid with spina bifida who's being, you know, going through education, but maybe they're being pushed off to the side into bed. I'm hoping that that physical therapist has the confidence to say to the PE teacher, hey, here's a way you could involve that child more effectively. We want him to be a healthy, fulfilled child who then becomes a healthy, fulfilled adult. And so that's not that's not what maybe some people think about when they, you know, you started with the Dear Colleague letter, um, but it, it supports and maybe creates an environment that helps some of those more hardline uh, policy conversations be uh, less scary to folks. Because, you know, I'm just a true believer that often our, our society, people want to do the right thing, but they're fearful. And they don't, they don't know how until they just stay in their own box. So I don't know if that really speaks to something you would be interested in or not, but, I, but it has been a very intentional um, uh, endeavor of ours. And so much to where um, we've seen beautiful success in that locally. Our local children's hospital, I say local, it is Children's Hospital of Alabama. They have just opened a, a small PTOT physician's clinic on our campus totally with the intention of that they need to be instilling in those uh, families from a young age that they need to get involved in a life of exercise, not just view the medical model of you go to the therapist every time that you're um, needing to move, but you go to the therapist and you need therapy and you move because you should move. I, uh, I think that's very relevant as well as I think there's, man, there's a lot that we could talk about in that too, because I love also talking about the medical versus the social sport model and, uh, you know, the differences, but I, we need to, I need to wrap up our conversation. So as a last question right now, uh, I want to know what are your plans for the future for Lakeshore Foundation? Where do you see yourselves in the next five to 10 years? So we are in the middle of a very massive campus redevelopment activity that includes the addition of a, I don't know the square footage, do you know Lisa? Pretty significant amount of, of space <laughs> um, that is, has become needed uh, really largely related to our growth in, in research and and in the world of NICPAD. Um, and so that space uh, will allow us, it, it has within it a, um, a teaching kitchen. Um, and so our, our words that we have given to the importance of nutrition and healthy cooking and healthy eating can take on a new, more robust um, um, personality because we we can do some hands-on uh, teaching and education and trial and error and those sorts of things. It also has a mindfulness lab and an exercise studio, but then it has a huge area that is dedicated um, to telehealth. And so I really think that the things that we referenced earlier in terms of 
trying to say how do we share the the message and the work of of Lakeshore Foundation, NICPAD, Research Collaborative, um, in, with a broader stroke. Um, I think that it is that is where much of our future um, is focused right this moment. Wonderful. Uh, thank you so much for being leaders in the field and helping out uh, in many ways. And thank you for coming on the show and telling us more about your organization and why you do the things you do and um, how you support the field in general. So I really appreciate all coming on. Our pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this new episode on what's new in adaptive physical education. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, our next episode is going to be with Dr. Martin Block from the University of Virginia. And we're going to talk about an uh, international conference that's going to be coming to their town in June called the uh, International Symposium of Adaptive Physical Activity. And in there, I think it's really exciting. We'll talk a little bit about the research that's going on. Also, why it might be interesting and useful for practitioners to go to there as well. Um, and so we're going to have Dr. Martin Block and maybe a few other people join in uh, on that conversation as well. So I'm really excited about that one. Another upcoming one is we're going to have Jordan Weber on to talk about social media and adaptive physical education slash activity. He's going to be on soon as well. So uh, keep tuned in and I hope you will enjoy. Thank you.